For too many years, we've been told to show the horse who's boss, use gadgets, and ride two and three-year-olds. We're expected to follow fashionable trends, like riding behind the vertical or with your horse's nose on the ground, and put our short-term performance goals before the long-term health of our horse. This sounds crazy to me, because we're forgetting all about the horse. In this show, you'll learn why groundwork, lateral movements, liberty work, and pole work are so important in your training program. Plus, how to build lightness and softness in the saddle by recognizing the try and building confidence in both horse and rider. We know that horses are only physically mature at five and a half years of age at the earliest. We believe that collection is not a head position. We know that older horses are not disposable, walking 100 miles on foot is amazing to build that connection together, and that bitless bridles, California hackamores, bosal and macates can be really useful. We never place competition goals above our horse's health, and we know that self-carriage means that the horse does it by himself. We take as long as it takes, and we understand the importance of working slowly with the horse to build connection, trust, and partnership together, and we aim to always put the horse's mental, physical, and emotional needs first. So I promise to share all my horsemanship strategies with you. Sounds good? I'm your host, Elaine Heaney, creator of the Listening to the Horse documentary. Let's get the show started. Okay, seriously, it's been a crazy week. Thank you so much to everyone who's purchased the new Listenology book and recommended and shared the book with their friends and even posted pics of the book on on social media. So here's the thing, in just over a day after it was published, the Listenology book shot to the top of the bestseller charts in Amazon America, Canada and Australia. Now, being truthful, I may have slightly fainted and had to be brought back to life by a cup of green tea, um, but it's it's so incredible. So what I've decided to do to celebrate is this Friday, I'm going to do a giveaway and I'm going to be giving away t-shirts, listening to the horse workbooks, journals, movies and online courses. So this is what you have to do to enter the giveaway. All you have to do is email me, greatponyfilms at gmail.com. Email me a copy of your book receipt, and it can be received for the paperback book, the Kindle book, the audiobook, whatever version of the book that you've got. And I'm going to put everybody who enters into the giveaway, and I'm going to announce the prize winners this Friday. Now, if you've got the book ready, that's perfect. Just send your receipt to greatponyfilms at gmail.com. If you need to get the book, you can grab the book on amazon.com. Amazon Canada, Amazon UK, Amazon Australia, Amazon Germany, I think even Amazon Mexico, whenever, wherever there's an Amazon website, just go onto your local Amazon website and you'll find it, you'll find it there, just type in Listenology. Or if you want to get the audiobook, so you can listen to the entire book while you're driving to the barn, mucking at stables, whatever you're doing, out in a walk, um, you can get the audio edition at equinelistenology.com if you go to that website. So enjoy the book. Thank you again for all your support. And also a really special word of thanks to everybody who has shared their stories inside the book. And I really believe that by showing every day what can be achieved by listening to the horse, I really, really believe that we are making the world a better place for our horses. I thought it might be useful to put together a glossary of terms that I use. Some of these terms I know not everybody will be familiar with. So I wanted to take a moment and go through these for you. Where do these terms come from? The situation is that these terms come from my favorite natural horsemanship, dressage, western and cow work exercises that I do with my horses, Ozzy and Matilda. I do both groundwork and riding exercises. And I think these exercises are really important to develop a happy and healthy all rounder type of riding horse. 
The exercises that I do with my horses are suitable for trail riders, dressage riders, people who do not do dressage, western riders, vicero horsemanship students, natural horsemanship students, anyone really who wishes to build a better connection and partnership with their horse and for all riding horses over four years of age. Now, if you're interested in learning more, all of the terms and exercises that I do mention are available in our online training courses at greatponyfilms.com. So first we have personal space. Your personal space is the area roughly about two to three feet around your body in all directions. And it's really important that your horse does not push into your personal space uninvited. The main reason is safety. It's not safe to have a horse who pushes into your space. You might get pushed, you might get knocked over, they might stand on your foot. And one of the most common ways to create this issue is to give your horse treats by hand. So if you are listening to this and you're like, "Mm, yes, my horse can be a little pushy at times and you go out every so often to give them an apple in your hand or a treat in your hand, stop doing it. The next terms I want to explain are groundwork and in-hand exercises. These just mean any work or any lessons or any exercises that you do with your horse when you're not riding your horse. And trust me, there's tons and tons that you can do. And groundwork, it's probably the most important thing that you can do with any horse to build confidence and relaxation. I do groundwork with all of my horses. And honestly, most people probably don't do enough groundwork with their horses. Doing groundwork is also a great way to teach your horse something new before you try it out in the saddle. And if you ride your horse, you should also be doing groundwork exercises with your horse. In particular, why these are really good or situations that they're really useful. If you're short on time, groundwork exercise is fantastic. If there is bad weather or if um, if it's the middle of the winter and you know there's snow on the ground and it's a bit icy and you're looking outside and the rain is coming in sideways and you're like, oh, I don't know. And if you just want something simple you can do in five minutes in between the rain or the snow or whatever is coming down outside, groundwork exercises are perfect. Then we have pole work exercises. Pole work exercises are any type of exercise with poles on the ground that you don't need to jump over because if you need to jump over them, well, they're probably jumps. So the poles are generally on the ground or they're pretty close to the ground. And I love using lots of different pole work layouts with my horses because I find it really keeps our time together both fun and interesting. And there are so many different ways you can arrange poles and you can use them for both groundwork and riding obstacles. You can ask your horse to walk or to trot or to canter over the poles that are set up in different layouts and you can use them to improve your transitions as well. Here are a couple of reasons that I love using poles. I find they help improve my horse's precision, agility and focus. They help improve my horse's flexibility, core strength, balance and straightness. My horses just love them when I'm bringing Ozzy and Matilda in and they come around the corner and they see that I have a couple of poles laid out on the ground. They're like, oh, fantastic, we're doing... It's just more interesting for them. And Ozzy in particular, he just gets this little glint in his eye and he's like, oh, cool, we're doing pole work. Also, you can just be so creative with how you set them up. And in general, they're just a lot of fun. In terms of pole work exercises, one common question I get is, well, how many poles do I need? I've got to go off to the hardware store or to the wherever you get your, you know, your timber from, or maybe you have an equestrian store, a tack shop nearby that actually sells poles that you can use. So the question is, how many do you need? Well, you can just start with one. There's exercises you can do with one pole and you can go right up to six or eight or 10 poles, depending. 
um, what you have. And there's actually a fun Christmas tree exercise you can do as well. And you can do that either on the ground or when you're riding the horse. And that's why pole work is really good as well, because there's so many creative ways you can use them. Then we have pole work challenges. These are groundwork exercises where the goal is often just to stand still in a certain position. The one pole challenge is probably the best known of these. You might have seen the one pole challenge before. The idea is that one pole on the ground, your horse is near hind and near fore are on one side of the pole, and your horse is off hind and off fore are on the other side of the pole. Sounds simple. It's not simple. And actually, I should explain those terms as well. So near side and off side, they're the two sides of your horse. The near side is the side most people would use to get on the horse when you're getting on the horse. And the off side then is the other side. Or another way to look at it is if you're riding your horse and you're sitting in the saddle, the near side is going to be the left side of the horse and the off side is going to be the right side of the horse. And then fore and hind, fore are the front legs, hind are the hind legs. So other reasons I really like pole work challenges, really good for bad weather again, or when the ground is hard and it's not safe to go faster than a walk. These are also really useful if you've only got 15 minutes to do something with your horse. And they're also perfect for winter exercises. Then we have Cavaletti. So these are very similar to pole work exercises. You, you again use poles, but you also have some type of razor that will be a few inches off the ground that you can rest a pole on. And the idea is that one or both ends of a pole are just raised up an inch or two or three off the ground. And these exercises you can do on the ground in hand with your horse, or you can sit in the saddle and do them when you're riding your horse. The idea isn't that the horse jumps them, but the idea is that the horse picks up his feet a little bit higher when he goes over them than if he was going over a pole just lying on the ground. And they're a lot of fun as well. Then we have Liberty Work. Liberty Work is one of my all-time favorites. Liberty Work means having some form of communication or connection with a horse when the horse doesn't have any tack on. So there's no halter on the horse, there's no head collar, there's no saddle, there's no lead rope, there's no nothing. The horse is loose or free in an arena, in a paddock or in a field, and the horse is able to move away from you if they want to. And it's about allowing your horse the gift of choice. Doing liberty work is a super way to improve your body language skills, also to learn what your horse likes and dislikes, to build a connection, and also to improve your partnership together. Liberty work is really good for bad weather or when the ground is hard or there's ice on the ground or whatever and you don't want to go faster than a walk. Great again if you only have 10 or 15 minutes to do something when you're coming home from work before it gets dark. Really good in the winter when the weather is bad and you know in Ireland anyway it gets dark at four o'clock which is a, a little depressing but anyway and then also it's super to build connection and trust with your horse. Next up we have bitless bridles. You're probably familiar with traditional bridles, which usually have bits in them, but there's also lots of bitless designs, or lots of bridle designs, I should say, that don't have a bit. Bits can be a bit of a minefield because there's so many different shapes and types and sizes and severity of bits. So like, how do you know which one is gonna be right for your horse? But then compound that because your horse's mouth anatomy is 100% unique to your horse. Your horse might have a narrow mouth or a wide mouth. They might have a high palate or a low palate. 
They, their tongue might be thick or might be thin. They might have lots of space and room in their mouth for a bit, or they might have hardly any space in their mouth for a bit. They may have a tooth growing at the side of their mouth in a position which means that any bit you put into their mouth is going to bang off this tooth, which is obviously going to be a major issue for your horse. So if you see a horse that doesn't seem happy, if they tend to shake their head a bit, if they don't like you putting on the bridle, if they're always kind of messing around or playing with the bit, if they're trying to get their tongue over the bit, if a rider has decided for whatever reason that the horse is doing something they don't like, so they decide to tie the mouth shut when they ride with like a, a flash or a grackle nose band, so there's some kind of leather going around the horse's mouth tying the mouth shut to reduce them doing something with the mouth or the bit, that could be a very good time to actually take off the gear, look into the horse's mouth or get your dentist to look into the horse's mouth and see what is going on. Is there a pain issue here some, somewhere because the horse is trying to tell you something. Some horses and some riders choose to change from bitted to bitless bridles because of issues with pain, with not being able to find a bit that fits. Some riders change to bitless because they want to protect the horse's mouth from potential damage from a bit before it occurs. Some riders change to bitless because just the approach of using a bitless bridle is appealing to them. Some riders use bitless because it's part of a tradition, a horsemanship tradition that they follow. There's lots of different reasons and we do have a free bitless guide available at bitlessbridalguide.com if you're interested in learning more about the most popular bitless options that are available. Next up we have a hackamore. There are two main types of hackamore. These are generally what you could call bridles I guess. So the first type is a mechanical hackamore. They're quite severe and I really don't like them so I'm not going to talk much about them. The second type of hackamore is also known as a bosal amicate. And if you're watching this in the video, I have a picture here of my horse Matilda in a bosal Makate. I really like this setup. The bosal is the part that goes around the horse's nose, called a bosal, and the Makate are actually the reins, which are actually made traditionally from horsehair. The hackamore, the bosal Makate, is a bitless tool, there's no bit in the horse's mouth, and it's part of the Californian vaquero tradition. It can be ridden one-handed, and it's actually quite a refined tool. So if you're just new to riding or you're starting out, you're not going to start riding straight away in a hackamore. Usually, if you can ride nicely, maybe in a rope halter, you're on the right path to progress to get a hackamore. And I ride both of my horses in a hackamore. It's quite a historic tool with a lot of tradition behind it. It has to be made to a very specific method with very specific materials being used in it. They're quite expensive, they're a few hundred dollars because they're made by hand. I have to tell you, share with you a warning. Unless you go to a professional hackamore maker, most hackamores that you see online, that you see on eBay, that are selling on Facebook, that you see as horse shows, even huge massive large horse shows that I've been to and I've gone straight up to look at the hackamores, they're not made correctly. And if you buy them, you're literally just throwing your money away. They're not going to work on your horse and because they don't work, you're not going to be able to sell them to somebody else to use on their horse because they won't work with theirs. So you're literally just wasting your money. With a hackamore, Bosal Makate, you can't buy a cheap one. And you need to plan to get a proper one later. A cheap one just won't work. 
because it's got poor material or poor craftsmanship and it could actually cause your horse issues. So please don't buy any type of fancy one that you see randomly one day at a horse show and think, oh, I'll get my first hackamore. These ones over here and they look lovely. Please don't do it. A hackamore purchase has to be researched. You've got to get recommendations of traditional makers. And then ideally what they'll say to you is, okay, great, please go out and measure your horse's head, send me a photo and I will custom made the hackamore for your horse. When you're getting the hackamore made to measure for your horses, which I got from mine, it's pretty common to wait two or three months, even more, depending on the wait list for the maker. And then once it arrives in the post, you're going to need to shape the hackamore so it fits your horse's nose exactly. Like there shouldn't be any, any, air or any gap any light between the hackamore as it goes around your horse's nose except right at the back of the nose it should fit like a hat fits on your head not tight not loose just snug and comfortable the next term i want to talk about is confidence confidence is a big word with both horses and horse riders confidence is actually the first step on the ladder for both you and for your horse if your horse is confident it's so much easier to teach them. It's so much easier to, to work on things in the saddle. Your horse can learn faster because they're focused on you. And it's so much safer to teach them. You're not getting any su surprising jumps or spooks or random movements if a bird hops out of a hedge or something. Then if you feel confident in the saddle, it's much easier for you to learn as well. And you're going to enjoy your time with your horse so much more. And it'll be safer because you can be focused on your horse and listening to them instead of being worried or anxious about what might happen. And because it's so important, I actually have not one but two courses about how both you and your horse can build confidence because honestly, without confidence, you're really going nowhere. But with confidence, everything becomes a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable and you'll be able to progress faster with your horse. The next two terms I wanted to mention are herd bound or barn sour. Sometimes when a horse is low on confidence, it shows up when they don't want to leave their horse friends. And if you try to take them away from their horse friends so they can't see them anymore, your horse panics. Or maybe they just refuse to leave the other horses. Or it can work the, it can work the other way. If their friend leaves their paddock, then your horse can start galloping around in the paddock and making a lot of noise and panicking. Or it could be that you can't take your horse out alone on a trail ride because they, they don't want to leave their friends and they'll panic if you take them away from their friends. This is called being barn sour or herd bound. And it can be a major safety issue. It can stop you from doing lots of fun stuff with your horse. It stems from a lack of confidence. And one of the best ways to fix this is by doing something like the 100 miles challenge, which is a series of groundwork exercises specifically designed to build confidence in both horse and human. The next term I wanted to talk about is riding one-handed. This is the best way to stop relying on your reins so much when you're riding your horse and instead get much better at using your seat and your leg and your weight cues, which is actually much nicer for your horse. And when you progress to using less reins and actually more with your whole body, so you're kind of communicating to your horse with your whole body, depending on how you're moving your legs and where your legs are and where the weight is in the saddle, all of these things, it's so much more comfortable for the horse. It means that you can do much smaller movements. It means that your horse is much more likely to stay balanced. It means that you can progress faster. It's just like, it's just like win, 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 but 
to do this as as humans we tend to we're very we use our hands a lot to do stuff and if we're going to do anything you know we nearly use our hands and and, and fingers first to pick up something or to you know if you want to do anything it's, it's our hands that we tend to focus on for the first movement so this is fine in non-horse activities but when you're riding your horse if when you think of something you want to do the first thing is you start doing stuff with your hands it's it's not that nice because the horse then is if you think of it from the horse's perspective you're just doing stuff that they're feeling in their mouth and nothing else much is happening it's not nice to have somebody pulling and dragging at your mouth so for the horse it would be much nicer if they could feel us shift a little bit on their back so there's a tiny little bit of a weight change on their back and they're like oh that's the thing she does when she wants me to turn right or that's the thing that you know we do when we're doing a shoulder in ah i understand that yeah so it's much easier for the horse to stay balanced riding one-handed i have to say it's different to neck reining i the way i use the terms they're not the same and riding one-handed can be seen in a few traditions around the world including the californian vicera tradition and also when riding with a garacha the next term is lateral movements a lateral movement is some type of sideways movement usually sideways and forwards horses can go forwards so right now if you're riding your horse i'm sure you can ride your horse forwards Hopefully your horse can also go backwards because horses can technically go forwards and backwards. So when you're riding your horse, when you're on the ground with your horse, your horse should be able to go both forwards and backwards. But horses can also go sideways as well. So when we get good at riding horses forwards and we're able to ask them to go backwards nicely for a couple of steps when you need, the next step in both your education and your horse's education is to start going sideways and to start beginning to incorporate lateral movements into your work with your horse. Shoulder out and shoulder in, they're both groundwork and riding exercises. So we start doing them on the ground and we repeat them in the saddle. And I'm gonna explain them to you with a banana. So we're looking at the banana at the top smaller end, that'd be maybe a little bit more green. That's gonna be your horse's head. So for shoulder out, the idea is that your horse's head is gonna be pointing towards the fence line and the horse's hindquarters are more towards the inside of the arena. And there is a gentle bend going through your horse's body and it's going through the whole body. It's not like the body is straight and the neck is really bent. It's a gentle arc that is the same through the whole body, the body and the neck. And we have shoulder in. So the horse's head is pointing more towards the middle of the arena and the hindquarters are more towards the outside of the arena with again that beautiful gentle bend going through the whole horse's body. Here's the thing. Don't panic. You do not need a dressage arena to do this. You do not need a dressage horse to do this. You can do this on trail rides. You can do this along a fence line in a field. You can do this beside a ditch. You can do this on the ground. You can do this anywhere you want. And every single horse, doesn't matter if you're riding an Arab, a thoroughbred, a cob, a paint, a beautiful Connemara like Ozzy, an Irish sports horse, uh, a Tennessee walker, um, a standard bread, doesn't matter the breed of the horse. This is just a really simple exercise. Simple in terms of once you get it figured out, it's actually quite simple. The, the wording is probably a bit odd and you're like, what is it? But it's actually a really beautiful exercise that once you get done is gonna unlock so much more that you can do with your horse. Cause there's tons of other exercises that you can do later on, but this is like the first one. This is like the foundation. So why are shoulder in and out some of my most favorite exercises ever in the whole world? 
So what they do is they're going to improve your horse's balance. They're going to encourage your horse to transfer weight from the forequarters to the hindquarters. Uh, they're going to help your horse become more athletic, both on the ground and when you're riding. They're going to improve your horse's physical posture. These exercises are the beginning of collection, which you may have heard of, collection and self-carriage. So this is the most healthy way for your horse to carry the weight of the rider. Because if you think of it, like we just sit in the saddle and your horse is like, oh, okay, what do I do now? Do I just kind of, you know, how do I carry? Is there, is there a way that I need to adapt my weight? Or how am I going to change how I carry my body normally to when, like when I'm free in the field as to when there's a rider on my back? Because everything's changed. Like if you put a, a, a heavy school bag on your back full of books, like your whole posture changes because it has to adapt to it. And what's the best way for your horse to adapt his posture so he can carry you in the most healthy way so he can keep his back healthy and not, you know, there's so many issues that, that horses get later on in life because they've been carrying a rider for so many years using bad posture. So doing shoulder in and out, what you're teaching your horse is a way to use his body that is going to protect his body and make it easier for him to carry the weight of a rider in the saddle. It's also going to help the horse to be able to move and turn with more agility and flexibility. When you ride your horse, if your horse starts being able to do shoulder in and shoulder out, you're going to feel a change when you're riding your horse. You're going to feel that the horse is lighter. There's less heaviness or weight in your hands. You're going to feel them more responsive to smaller cues, which is fantastic as a rider. When you start seeing that happening, you're like, yes. Um, and these are the first two exercises that you need to begin teaching your horse lateral movements, which you can use later in Western riding, in cow work, in dressage, whatever you want to do, shoulder in and shoulder out are like the basics for every discipline that you want to do, no matter what it is. You could go jumping afterwards, it doesn't matter. But this is like these two exercises, every single horse, no matter what you're into, you know, every horse should be able to do these exercises because they're so physically beneficial for the horse. Um, it just makes such a huge difference. And any horse can do this. Literally, any horse. I mean, I'm doing it with a Connemara. <laughs> That's not a dressage horse. I'm doing it with an Irish sports horse. That's not a dressage horse. Any horse can do this. And you can start teaching your horse with simple five-minute exercise on the ground. That is not difficult. That's low stress. That once you know what you're doing, is very simple for your horse to work out. Okay? So don't panic. <laughs> Then finally, we have collection and self-carriage. Collection is a weight transfer from the forequarters to the hindquarters of the horse. When your horse is collected, your horse is using a better posture and it's gonna make it easier for your horse to carry the weight of the rider in the saddle. And then with, when your horse is riding with good posture, it's gonna decrease the potential for back issues or physical health issues that this horse may develop later in life if they're ridden for many years with bad posture. Most riding horses don't automatically, on day one when you sit in the saddle, go, oh, there's somebody in the saddle. Ah, okay. So instead of me just plodding around with a lot of weight on my front two legs, I understand that in order to be physically healthy for the rest of my life, I need to change how I balance my, my weight so I need to change and bring some of that weight from my two front legs and put a bit more weight, carry a bit more weight in my two hind legs because that's going to keep me healthy and that's the best way to do it. So horses don't think like that. They tend to just dump that extra weight on the front two legs and kind of drag themselves around a bit with a lot of weight on the front two legs. That's not good for their posture. It's much healthy, much more healthy biomechanically if the horse is taught when you're in the saddle and you're riding a horse, 
that they need to carry a bit more weight on their hindquarters. And they're also more athletic when they do this. So it means that we can progress to doing more advanced riding movements down the line when we're ready for it. But most riding horses, they don't do this automatically when you sit in the saddle. They need to be trained to carry themselves with this good posture. And we train them using lateral exercises, which are the sideways exercises I mentioned earlier. A common mistake that I hear and see quite a lot, you'll certainly see it on Facebook, is that to develop collection and self-carriage, which everyone kind of agrees is a good thing, but people think, well, the way you do it is you just pull on the reins with your hands, so then your horse will tuck his head in closer to his chest and he'll look a little bit different. That's nothing to do with it. That's just your horse's head being stuck to his chest, which actually is, is very bad for him as well. It has nothing to do with collection, nothing to do with self-carriage, because again, collection means we want to get some of that weight that are on the front two legs and transfer a bit of that so there's more weight carried on the hind legs. And self-carriage means that the horse does it by himself. I hope that was useful and you can learn some more about these terms and the various exercises that go along with them at greyponyfilms.com. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I have some good news for you now, actually. We will be holding our next five days to partnership workshop very soon. This is an online workshop. It's completely free and you can watch it on your smartphone or your laptop from anywhere in the world. You will learn how to improve your horse's trust and connection. And you'll also find out how I solved Ozzy's bolting over poles issue and how I can help any horse build confidence and partnership with the little known elephant technique. We're going to talk about how to help a horse who is inflexible or perhaps unbalanced. And we're also going to look at the importance of lateral work. Plus, we're going to go a little deeper into bitless bridles and hackamores. Also, you're going to be able to download and complete your own horse partnership assessment. And each day you'll get a fun homework activity to do with your horse. So you can get all the details and sign up for a free ticket at www.5daystopartnership.com. I hope to see you there.